Thank you, Kevin. Um, Natalie's going to read our passage this morning. It's Ruth chapter 1. Thank you, Natalie. Ruth chapter 1, Naomi and Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Oprah and the other Ruth. After they had lived about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord call that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Turn home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can't this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Thank you, Natalie. So we're just going to look at uh, moving away. I wonder if, uh, I'm sure most of you here will know the story of, of my family, how we came to be living in Devon. Um, so I, we used to live in, in, a, in a town called Bury in Lancashire. 
We used to come down to Devon on holiday. Why not? A beautiful place. And um, so my mum and my dad and me and my sister, we, we were walking through town and we were kind of saying, oh, how nice it would be great to live here. So me and my sister were pointing out different houses at estate agents saying, oh, that's a nice house. We could buy that one, etc." And mum said to dad, um, well, if we're going to move down here, you need a job first. So they went and they actually went into a job and looked around for a job. And I'm not sure if there was much in there, but um, so we, I think a few days later we were driving home, you know, four and a half hour journey or whatever. About halfway home, Dad said, "I'm pulling to this service station because um, I really feel like we could um, I could apply for a transfer down to Devon. You know, his job was he was an insurance man. He'd go around knocking on doors, collecting money and things." So um, about halfway home, we pulled over back in the day of pay phones, um, uh, put some change in the pay phone and he rung his boss up. He said, is there any chance I can get a transfer? And it turned out there was uh, a position available in Plymouth. Um, so he'd be able to transfer to an office in Plymouth. Um, so one thing led to another. Um, and Dad didn't even need to get an interview because the chap who ran Plymouth actually trained with the guy in Manchester area. So um, they knew each other, so they were able to share how you know Dad was good at his job. Um, so all things just came together. I'm trying to think what else there was. Within six weeks, we were living down here, <laughs> and it was just incredible. You know, Mum and Dad went to our pastor at the time at the church and said, "We want to make sure this is right by God." You know, and they sat down with him and and they went through all the things that had happened, and he said. I want to tell you not to move because we don't want to leave you, but it's just so clear that the Lord's opened these doors that you, you, you just need to go and live in Devon. So that was that story of how we came to Devon. And as we look into this passage this morning, um, it looks like Elimelech, I've been trying to say that out loud, it gets me, gets me uh, tongue-tied. Elimelech moves his family away without seeking God's guidance, doesn't it? They thought by moving away from the famine in their land, in their homeland, which is Bethlehem in Israel, that they would escape death because there was, not, there was a shortage of food. It tells us this in verse 1, there was a famine in the land. But they didn't escape death, did they? Because in verse 3 we read that uh, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she'd left with her two sons. So it looks like Elimelech didn't seek God's guidance when he wanted to move his family away, just like my mum and dad seek his guidance when we went to move down here. <clears throat> so maybe he didn't believe in God. Maybe he didn't believe that God would help him. What we do know that his unbelief led to his death, but not only his death, but his two sons' death as well. <clears throat> See, there was a problem in his hometown, and he thought he'd be able to move away, that he'd be able to run away from his problems. And we, uh, we need to learn that we can't live without seeking God's guidance. You know, we can live our days normally without uh, seeking God, but, um, you know, it, it's not likely going to uh, turn out too good. I can testify that, you know, from my, from my experience. I've, I've, I've lived a life disobeying God, and it, it, it didn't go too, go too well for me. There's a, a, a well-known passage in Jeremiah chapter 29. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. See, we can't run away from our problems. When we choose to walk away from God or from his will in our lives, we take the problem with us. We can't run away from our problems. The problem, the problem is an unbelieving and disobedient heart, just like Elimelech had. He didn't believe that God would help him, and he was disobedient. See, Elimelech walked by sight and not in faith. We read the same, Abraham did the same thing. When he, counted, when he encountered a famine in his land, instead of waiting for God to tell him what to do, he took himself off to Egypt and got himself into trouble. We read in Genesis in chapter 12, verse 10, Abraham told the Egyptians about his wife. You might remember the story. Told the Egyptians his wife was his sister, so you know that uh, he could live in that land. And because of that, the Lord sent terrible, terrible plagues upon Pharaoh. See, no matter how difficult our circumstances might be, or whatever trials we might be going through, you know we can we face bad things all through our lives. The best and the safest place is in the will of God. By claiming the promises of God, and by obeying His word, despite how, big, how bad things are going in our lives, or how bad the world looks, or how we feel, we need to commit ourselves to the Lord and rely wholly on him to meet our needs. You see, when we live by faith, we glorify God. People around us see God is helping us out. And it's a great witness to non-believers, isn't it? <clears throat> and we can, be, we can build our Christ-life character when we're obeying God. We need to dwell in God's presence. We read it a lot in Psalms. To dwell in him, to know his will. We can go somewhere quiet and just sit and be quiet with him and have a conversation with him. You know, my favourite place is uh, in our conservatory in our house. We look out onto the greenery and can hear the birds singing, beautiful on a, on a day like this. And it's just nice to just sit quietly and dwell, in the, dwell with God. <clears throat> See, we can all learn from this family's mistake, this family that we've just read about, Elimelech. See, if we love our families and our children, surely we want God's perfect will for our lives as well, for our family lives. So we need to be constantly seeking God's will and asking him what he wants us to do, not ignoring him or doing as we please. You know, it's quite easy to follow the crowd, isn't it? To get involved in what the worldly, friend, worldly people are doing. That's the easy, the easy way out. So, but we should be looking to God and asking him for guidance. <clears throat> Psalm 37. Um, verses 1 to 4 says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but those delight in, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. I thought that didn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how I did that. Psalm 37. So we should, so we should be, we should be looking to God and asking for His guidance. 
not looking into the world and what the worldly desires are. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what's the desires of our heart? I don't know about you, but I want my children to know God personally. I, used, I got into a nice habit. You know, I don't really care what job they do or anything. I just want them to have a relationship with, with God. I got, I got out of a bad habit and I was reminded of it when I, when I was preparing this. So we've got, got between me and Natalie, we've got seven children. And I used to pray for each child one day a week. So I'd start with the oldest down to the youngest. Sunday would be the oldest and through the week. So one day a week. And it was a, it's a habit that I've gotten out of. I need to get back into it, really. Um, so when we look at, look at uh, what the people are getting up to, non-Christian people, um, we, that, you know, they, they're going by the desires of the world. And look at Jesus in, in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. His first temptation was to satisfy his hunger rather than please his father. And I wonder if there's anyone, any earthly desires we are seeking today to satisfy rather than seeking to please our heavenly father. <clears throat> See, Elimelech was a father and a husband. We read that in verse 1. And as fathers and husbands are, are here today, we, we, should be also, we should be seeking God spiritually, spiritually rather than being physical and doing what we think is right. We should be seeking God for his guidance for our family. We want to provide for our families. What's the saying? Happy, happy... Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> but we need to be seeking God first, don't we? The best way for our family life is to put God first, not the desires, not our desires, but God's desires. We read, seek first the kingdom of God. God. When we look at what Elimelech did, he honoured the enemy, not the Lord, by moving, he moved 50 miles away to the land of Moab. We read in Genesis 19, it tells us about the land of Moab. Genesis 19, verse 30 to 38. I'm not going to read it. But it tells us how the land of Moab came about and how the, how the Moabites came about. You may, you may remember the lady called uh, Lot's daughter. She got him drunk and slept with him. And that led him to give him birth to Moab. So Elimelech moved his family to the land of Moab, which was the land of the enemy of God, because they were an incestuous people. The Moabites were enemies of the law. So it's interesting, can we see how Elimelech looked into the world and wanted to be a part of it rather than being a part of God's family? Do we see the world enjoying themselves, doing their own thing, and do we want to be a part of it? Tempting as it may be, it won't last. Earthly desires won't last. As I've just read in Psalm 37. The name Elimelech means, my God is king. But God wasn't king in his life, was it? Was he? He left completely God out of his he completely left God out of his decisions and out of his life, which may have looked like a decision for a short time, but had devastating effects later on, which also led to his two sons dying. His two sons marrying two Moabite women. Two women from the land of incest. In the end, all which was left were three lonely widows. Everything else was gone. Verse 21 in our passage today says, Naomi, who is Elimelech's wife, 
says she went, she went away full, but is returning empty. See, because of Elimelech's disobedience, his poor relationship with God, and his lack of faith of God's provision, his wife and family were left with nothing. So then we look into Naomi's return. In verse 6 we read, God visited his faithful people back in the land where Elimelech lived. That's those who, you know, he, he, he blessed those who stuck around when the, tough got, got, when, the, when the going got tough. Naomi hears about God's provision and prepares to return back to her homeland. It isn't easy to stick around, is it, when times, times get hard, when we're going through tough times. We want to give up, don't we? But we must always remember God is in control. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says this, Blessed, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. As we've just seen, if our God is for us, then what could stand against us? Out of the darkness you shine. There's no one like you. Naomi hasn't felt like she's received the Lord's blessing because she hasn't been walking with him. She, she hasn't been spending time with him. She's been walking her own way and following the footsteps of her deceased husband, who also wasn't obeying God. How can we receive something from someone who we don't know? It woke me up a bit on, uh, I don't often go on Facebook, but sometimes we go on Facebook and uh, see pictures of their kids or people put the pictures of their grandkids and they say, so lucky to have these in my life. It's not luck, it's all from God. People don't realise that God's blessed them with children. People don't realise that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't know about God, and it's our job to tell them. Maybe you've heard how God, blessed, how God blesses people, but have never experienced it, because you're not trusting in God. He can bless you as well. I'm not saying that he's going to give you a wonderful life. Following God isn't easy. He doesn't promise. He doesn't promise us a wonderful life. But what he does promise is eternal life. He promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he promises to be those in need, to be close to those in need, and close to the brokenhearted. How else are you going to get through God's life, through life's difficult moments? Go out and get drunk or smoke? It's not going to last very long. It's not going to last long term. It's going to give you serious health effects. See, Ruth missed out on her blessing from God, and now she had nothing. In verse 8, we read, Naomi wanted to return home on her own. Why did she want to return on her own? Maybe she felt embarrassed to return with, two daughter, with her two daughter-in-law because they were from the Moab land. It's not a good place to come from, is it, as, we, as we've already looked at. She maybe wanted to cover up her sins, the things that her family had done wrong. Naomi was trying to cover up the wrongdoing by sending them back to their homeland. She was trying to cover up what she had done in her life. Orpah had given up in verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. So she'd given up. She'd had enough. She'd gone. She'd going back home. But Ruth was ready to stand up. 
She refused to listen to her mother-in-law. Should we listen to our mother-in-laws? What do you think, Pat? <laughs> Ruth didn't listen to her mother-in-law. And she refused to follow her, sister in, her sister-in-law's foolish footsteps. Why? Because she trusted in God. Chapter 2, verse 12. The Lord repay your work and full reward be given to you by the Lord, under whose wings you have come for refuge. See, she's taking refuge in the Lord. She goes to him to find strength and to find shelter or protection. This is what refuge means. A place to go when we're afraid. We can all take refuge in the Lord. He is our very present help in times of trouble. In verse 11, it says how Ruth left her own father and mother in her homeland. She left them and she's accepted God instead. She was trusting in God. Are you trusting in God this morning? Are you prepared to stand up for God, to stand strong for God, just like Ruth does here? Be bold and be strong. Ruth came from this sinful land who disobeyed God. But thanks to God's grace, he saved her. Ephesians tells us we are saved by grace, not by our works, not by keeping laws. Listen to this law in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, and it's entitled, Those Excluded from the Lord's Congregation. It says this, No Ammonite or Moabite, Ruth, or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. This means permanent exclusion. So how could Ruth enter the assembly of the Lord? Because of God's grace and his mercy. No matter who we are or what we've done in the past, because of God's grace and because of his mercy, we can enter into his presence and have a relationship with him. We have to put our faith in Christ alone. Ruth had lost her father-in-law, then her husband, and then her brother-in-law, so she's a widow. You'd, accept, you'd expect her to have been bitter towards God after everything she'd been through. Through all her trials and all her obstacles, which got in her way, it could have blinded her to God's love. She could have said, God doesn't love me. Look at all the things I've gone through. But she didn't. She still chose God. A question we get quite often, we get asked quite often, why does God allow suffering? A good answer is, I don't know. It's good, you know, we don't have all the answers. But also, I can explain that bad things happening in my life lead me to draw closer to God. Naomi, on the other hand, was, was actually bitter towards God. She blamed God for the things wrong in her life. She was the total opposite to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Verse 20 to 21 shows how Naomi is bitter. Don't call Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord was afflicted. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So you see that She's blaming God for the things she'd gone wrong. So Ruth, an outcast Moabitess, probably 
shouldn't have been born. But she's a part of the family of Jesus Christ. We read this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Ruth is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This woman who was born from a, a sinful land, from an incest land. How did that happen? Because of the sovereign grace and mercy of God. So what about you this morning? Is it time for a new start? Do we need to turn back to God? To get back on the right path? Stop pretending that we, didn't, we don't sin and hide from our sins like Naomi did. Let's repent and ask for forgiveness. Let's be like Ruth. Stand firm with God. Not our way, but God's way. We end in verse 22. The two widows arrived in Bethlehem during barley harvest, a time when everyone expressed great joy and praising God for his goodness and provision to them. Spring had arrived, a time of new life and new beginning. Naomi was about to make a new beginning with God. It's never too late. 